but there's no striving for God. There's nothing that I'm going to do or say that can make him love me any more or any less. Which is good, because normally I roll up here with about 30 pages of manuscripted words, and I know exactly what I'm going to say, and I've practiced it, and I've come in here during the week when nobody's in here, and I've practiced, and I've made Ryan, poor Ryan, sit there and <laughs> listen to me and act like he's 200, you know, 150 people, and then I ask him to be honest, but not too honest, about what he thinks. And uh, what I think that I'm supposed to say this morning is that in what I've been getting out of emotionally healthy spirituality in the last couple of months is that God wants us to make peace with our broken pieces. Let me say that again. God wants to help you, us, make peace with your broken pieces. Amen. Why? Because that's the stuff he uses to make peace in our broken world. And I'm going to interview somebody here in a minute who gets it. And to be really honest, I stole that whole idea from a sign that's hanging up at her workplace. But it only works if we give God everything, if we give him all the pieces. Because I'm really good at giving God some stuff. I'm really good at trusting God with parts of my life. But I'm going to still run the show when it comes to other stuff. And then I have people like Kev who go, how's that working for you? <laughs> Not as well as it should be. <clears throat> I love this translation of Psalm 18, the message translation. He stood me up in a wide open field. I stood there saved, surprised to be loved. God made my life complete when I placed all the pieces before him. When I got my act together, he gave me a fresh start. Now I'm alert to God's ways. I don't take God for granted. Every day I review the way he works. I try not to miss a trick. I feel put back together and I'm watching my step. God rewrote the text of my life when I opened the book of my heart to his eyes. Let's pray. God, here we are. ears and hearts open to what you would say to us this morning. There's a room full of people here who do not need to hear from me, but they need to be led and, and spoken to by you. So I pray your will be done. That your son Jesus would be revealed to us through the leading of the Holy Spirit. We love you, Father. We love you, Son. We love you, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'm going to quickly uh, have you hear three different stories, I hope, all in 30 minutes or less. So we'll see if that happens. <laughs> Thank you. Well, I want to tell you a little bit of my story first. One of the questions I've been helping out with the Monday night class of EHS. So there's not only the book, there's a course. So if, you're, if you don't know, we've been 
We're coming up on week three of that class on Monday nights. We're full this fall, but we'll be offering again at least two or three times next year, starting in January. So if you didn't make it in this time, you can take it next time. But one of the questions for last week was, what, describe your dream job. That was the discussion starter, right? Descri describe your dream job. Uh, I did not know that my dream job was speaking Sunday morning messages <laughs> or wearing this microphone. I did not know that part of my dream job would be um, people calling me pastor, which is still super weird for me. <laughs> The first, my confession is the first few weeks that I started working here, people asked what I would do, and I said, well, I'm a social worker by trade, and I happen to be working at a church right now. And I was avoiding God's interpretation of my dreams. And in a second, we're going to talk about Joseph in the last, in the, at the uh, end of the book of Genesis, and that's what he says, that people are like, oh, Joseph has the gift of dream interpretation, and he says, no, interpreting dreams is God's job. It's our job just to speak what he gives us to say, which is a big comfort for me right now. <laughs> it really is. Because ministry in pastoral ministry in particular, for me, is the family business. And I don't know if anybody here grew up, if your family had a business, and maybe they expected you to take it or to do something similar. And uh, I never felt any pressure like that other than the pressure I put on myself. But uh, I'm the fourth generation of pastors in my family. And oh, don't clap yet. And um, <laughs> I, I'm, not, I'm still not sure how I feel about that some days. Because I, I thought I had my dream job already. I thought I had the job that had some prestige and that made a lot of money. And then uh, all that ended, and I had to go back in my life and pick through some of the wreckage of my past to figure out, like, what am I supposed to be doing now? But God in his faithfulness showed me. And one of the other things that we do in the EHS course is looking at earthquake events that's called in your life. So, so what were these momentous occasions or, or tragedies that might have happened or even successes and go, what can I learn from that about what, I, about what I'm supposed to be doing with my life? And I didn't even know it at the time. I, I was just flailing about looking for any kind of clue about what am I supposed to do now that my dream job ended? So, of course, still having an ego and a lot of pride, I thought, okay, well, I'll volunteer at this church, but give me the volunteer job with, with the cool title. So I was at this big church in Illinois, and they had a volunteer job called Pastor of the Day. Pastor on call. I'm like, ooh, yeah, I want that one. I want to be the one everybody talk, you know, calls and they need prayer, or walks in and really needs to talk to somebody. Because that's me operating out of my strengths. I like to listen. I like to be there for people. I like to try to help people, right? And then it became obvious that that was not God's interpretation of that dream either. So what I really had to do was face some of the pain in my life and go, okay, what's an earthquake moment? My parents divorced when I was in high school. Great source of pain. And that's one of the biblical truths that we're looking at today is our families, 
as supportive as they might have been or whatever, oftentimes load us down with a lot of junk and some emotional baggage and maybe messages that weren't altogether loving all the time. And so how do we look at that? How do we, how do we allow God to give us freedom not only from the stuff that, we, that everybody can see up here in the top of the iceberg, but the stuff below it too? It takes some work. And thankfully we have resources like EHS to help us. So what did I do with that pain? Well, that same church, little known ministry, nobody even heard of it, didn't even know it went on. It was on a Monday night when nobody's there. Oasis, support groups for teenagers who are going through their parents' divorce. Ah, now we're on the right track. I can, I can speak to that. That verse in your bulletin about God comforts us in all of our troubles that we can in turn comfort those people around us with the comfort we've received. That one made sense. And so I did that for several years. And then back and forth I went from, okay, I got it, God, and, and trying this, and then backing up and going, no, maybe we, haven't gone, maybe we haven't gone deep enough. And so fast forward a few years later, and um, I had moved back to Illinois for a few years and uh, didn't know how long I'd be there at the time, but I uh, was looking for another volunteer opportunity. And a friend of mine was like, oh, man, you should check out this great agency called Mutual Ground. Like, Mutual Ground, what do they do? Well, they, they uh, serve victims of domestic violence and sexual, uh, sexual assault, sexual abuse. I was like, oh, okay. So I kind of just started out donating and, and um, didn't know too much about it. And then they said, oh, yeah, well, we have a, a really, like, 80-hour class starting in January of that next year. And in order to volunteer with victims and survivors and their families and kids and, and get more involved, you have to go through this class. Said, okay, well, where's the class? 418 Oak Avenue in Aurora. Oh, Aurora, Illinois, where I grew up? Okay, that makes sense, right? God bringing me back, bringing me back to some place that I'd already been. Guess where the, guess where the agency is held or is housed? It's in this old mansion that I went to Christian school at in fifth and sixth grade. So I ended up going through this training and uh, ended up getting a job because of that in that field for, two, for about two and a half years. And when I told my mom, like, Mom, you'll never guess where this uh, training that I'm going through is being held. It's at Covenant Christian School where I went fifth and sixth. Oh, man, that's crazy. Well, what are you doing there? And I told her, oh, well, there's something else you should know. So remember that summer that um, Grandma was around more? I said, yeah. So my grandmother lived in Detroit. We were on the other side of Lake Michigan over in Kenosha, Wisconsin, if you're familiar with the geography of the Midwest at all. And um, I was like, yeah, and I was a little kid, maybe five or six. And uh, she had my youngest aunt with her. And uh, I said, yeah, I, rem I remember that summer. It was kind of cool having grandma around more. Yeah, well, um, you know, your grandfather was, as you know, alcoholic and abusive and and um, she was actually staying at a women's shelter that summer. And I was like, what? I never knew that. 38 years old, just finding out family secrets. Had no idea. I was a little kid. I just thought it was cool grandma was around. But see, all this makes sense. All these layers of the compost pile bring about something good. 
even though they're hard and painful and messy when they're going down. And so now here I am, working at a church. But God asking me to go back through my life in order to go forward and to be free from all this junk that's underneath the surface. So I want to introduce you to Sylvia. She is um, the director of the Walter Hoving Home. And she's going to tell you more about what she does and, and a little bit of her story. And the reason, part of the reason I brought her up here is because I wanted you to meet her is because this is somebody else who gets it. This is somebody else who has said, I am willing to confront my biggest pain and my biggest problems in order to help people make peace with their broken pieces and see lives restored. So thank you for being here this morning. Let me grab you a microphone. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's actually so crazy. As I was driving down Adams and I came to the church and I said, I've been here before. I don't know how many of you from the women's ministry remember. There's one. Praise God. We have been here with our ladies and have um, enjoyed an evening. I think we came two or three years in a row. And so the ladies have had a chance to come share their testimonies and have our choir sing. So I believe that God has ordained all of this and has called me back to be able to share with all of you here about my story. Would you like me to start? Well, tell story? us a little bit about what life is like for you now. Okay. What, well, do, now, what do you do and what's going on? <laughs> now is amazing because God is the center and the, 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 my eyes are fixed on Jesus and I live to serve the Lord. I'm the executive director of the Walter Hoving Home, which is a discipleship program for women 18 years and older who have had life controlling addictions to drugs, alcohol, or prostitution, anything that has had them in bondage and uh, that they have just, it has become an idol or just a, a dark, deep pit in their lives. So as the executive director, I can sit here today and let you know I was one of those ladies at one time. Uh, God has set me free. He has delivered me and redeemed me, restored me from a 23-year addiction to crack cocaine. Wow. Um, it's very emotional for me, too. But these are tears of joy if I do cry. <laughs> they are tears of joy. They're no longer tears of sorrow. And when Ben was speaking about his dream job or what the question, I have actually done the course, um, the Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, and it was really eye-opening for me, and it was a wonderful, wonderful lesson for me in my life serving God. But uh, my dr I had no dream job uh, growing up because I never knew the Lord. So it wasn't anything I said, Lord, what, what do you want me to do? What is your will for my life? Because I didn't know God growing up. But now that dream that I have always, that is always, I believe, was just in my subconscious planted there by the Lord was revealed when I found him and when I was delivered from my addiction. And to be able to give back to these ladies because I know where they've been. I've walked in their shoes. And all of the staff is hired from within. So we are uh, just better, better suited to mentor, to encourage, and to just walk the journey that the ladies walk in this one-year program. The Walter Hoving Home is a year long. The women are not permitted to work the entire year. But what they are able to do is lay everything outside the door and find out who they are in Christ. And they're able to get to the root issue of the, 
the addiction that and the uh, issues that led to addiction. Uh, the the addiction is merely a symptom, whether it's alcohol, drugs, gambling overeating. There's so many different kinds of addictions that can consume our lives. And so getting, being able to go back and, and find out what that, what that root issue is, is really freeing uh, when we have that aha moment in our lives and we realize that that does not define who we, who we are today, that we are new creations. The old is gone, the new is here. And so over the course of a year, the ladies are in a school setting five days a week where they really dig into some really, really intense curriculum and wonderful curriculum that is laid out for them in their journey over the 12 months. They will memorize 66 scripture verses, which I did as well, uh, through the course of the year at the Walter Hoving home. And, and uh, we, we learned, I learned life-changing principles and core values and critical success factors that I was able excuse me, <clears throat> able to apply to my life. And um, I've been clean and sober for 10 years. July was my 10-year anniversary. Nice. And God is good. Um, being in the dark for 23 years, I never saw my life as having any meaning, any purpose, any direction. But God had another plan for me, and he had that plan and that dream for me through the entire nightmare of the 23 years of my addiction. I see now... Uh, where the Lord had his hand on me through the, the, the entire mess of my divorce and losing custody of my children. And, and until you've really walked in the shoes of an addict and um, how controlling the enemy is, he had me so tightly bound in chains that I saw no way out. Um, for a mother to, to give up her children, I chose drugs over my own children. And that may sound horrible, but until you've really been in that dark pit, it's all consuming. The enemy is out to kill, steal, and destroy, and he did everything but kill me. And I was suicidal at the end um, of, when I came to the end of myself, and, and I, I was at that point of brokenness that I thought I, I will either take my life or reach out to my son, who found Christ on his own when he was 14 with a youth group. And I praise God for that every day. But I still know that God gave me that child so that this, for that very day, when instead of taking my life, I called my son Kevin and, and told him that I wanted to end my life, that I had lost everything. I had, a, had inherited a large amount of money and I spent that all in eight months. It was gone uh, through my addiction. And I, I just came to the end of myself, and he said, Mom, I'm going to help you. He said, but you're going to go into a faith-based program. And I said, no, I'm not. <laughs> I can't do that. I, I don't know God. He wants, God wants nothing to do with me. There's, there's nothing that God can do for me. And he said, well, if you want my help, I'm going to find the, a place for you. And he found the Walter Hoving home for me in Pasadena, California. And he drove me there, and I was 51 years old. And I thought my life had passed me by, and it literally had up until that point. But that was my old life. I walked through the doors crying uncontrollably. I was sobbing from fear, from guilt, from shame. 
And I'll never forget, Mrs. Benton, one of the founders, was there that day, and she looked up, and I walked in, and she said, welcome home. And I didn't know what she meant by that. I went, I've never been here before. What does she mean by that? And But now I know. Uh, she was welcoming me, back, welcoming me into the arms of Jesus. And I re just remember crying uncontrollably. I dropped to my knees, and I looked up, and I said, Lord, I don't know you. Jesus, I don't know you but will you help me? I can't do this anymore on my own. And I knew right then at that moment that God had entered, had filled my life. I just felt this, this rush come over me. I actually felt very, I felt the Holy Spirit just pour inside of me this morning during worship. And, I, and so I, I feel like I'm back home here as well. So God has done amazing things in my life, not only setting me free from addiction, but giving me the tools and equipping me for this journey of uh, helping other women. So yes, this is my dream job, being able to give back, back what God gave me, being able to serve, and to pour into the lives of those that are bound by addiction, letting them know that Jeremiah 29:11 is meant specifically for each and every one of them, that God does have a plan for them, plan not to harm them, but to prosper them and to give them a hope and a future. God is amazing. He's an amazing God, and through emotionally healthy spirituality, the going back in order to go forward was very difficult for me because of my past. My father was an alcoholic and there was no love or affection in my life growing up and, and I just would have done anything for his attention. So I completely lost, I had no identity. I didn't know who I was. I just wanted anybody's approval. So I really became an approval addiction kind of a person and a people pleaser. I would say anything that you wanted me that if it made you happy and it would make you be my friend, I would agree with something, anything that I could to get that attention. So when I got to reading this book, I realized that I really did need to go back and revisit my past and, and look at my parents for who they were, that they, God had placed me in that home for a reason and that they did the best that they could. And I, I, I needed, I just could not harbor any kind of unforgiveness or resentment or bitterness as an adult, but I also learned not to get stuck in it. Um, to go back in order to go forward, you can't go back and stay stay there. That's it's right. okay to go back there and revisit it and and find revelation and 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 figure things out through Christ and and what Christ wants me to do with what I what what I happened to me in my past that I can glorify Him now in the present and in. Um, pouring into the lives of these ladies. So it was, it was a tough one. That was a tough week for me. But it really, really gave me some freedom and, and really helped me identify more with, with the generational curses, if you will, that, and things that can happen from our past and that, praise God, I can stop those things from, from happening in the future. Um, and I have two beautiful grandchildren. I have total restoration with my family. And to be a godly grandmother, I believe that God has said, you know, you learned from, you know, I pulled you out of that pit. You weren't there for your children, but now I want you to serve as a godly grandmother. It's amazing to be able to read the Bible with my grandchildren and to just talk about Jesus so openly and so freely because he freely had grace upon my life. He saved my life. Nobody saved my life but Jesus. I owe it all to him. 
and it's such an honor to be here, really. I, uh, I, I'm not ashamed of my past because that's not who I am today. God has, has really just completely renewed my mind and transformed my life. I stand on Romans 12, one and two. One and two. It's an amazing scripture verse. There's so many I could, could just spew out right now that, that really speak to me on a daily basis, but I'm really honored to be here, and thank you so much, Ben, for having me back, but I've never been here in the sanctuary, so this is really quite an honor and a blessing. Yeah, thank you for being here. It's honestly the easiest interview I've ever done. <laughs> Sorry about that. No, I just asked one, I was like, I'm pretty sure I'm about to be replaced. Um, yeah, thank you for being, so tell us, so thank you. So much, first of all. You're welcome. So tell us a little bit about the home and what work is going on today and, and, and all the different things that you do. I know you guys do some outreach. So tell us about that. Yes, with the Walter Hoving Home there, we actually, it's a national organization. We have three homes or three campuses. It started almost 50 years ago in Garrison, New York. And John and Elsie Benton are the founders, and uh, God just put it on their heart to witness to women, uh, prostitutes basically, and heroin addicts on the streets of Brooklyn and Harlem in New York. And then in 1984, they opened a second home in Pasadena, California. And then 10 years ago, in 2006, we came here to Vegas. We have 10 beds. And uh, the way that the women find out about the Walter Hoving Home is either through our website or just from me, from coming to churches and having our choir and our ladies show their testimony uh, with the body of Christ. And then uh, John Benton has written 44 red books. I left some red books out on the table in the front. I would encourage you to read that book. It's an amazing story about the home. Those circulate through the jails and the prisons. So we get women from all walks of life. We have had pastors' daughters, and we have had women that have had no upbringing, that have been raised in foster care. Some have been on the streets since they were 10 years old. It's um, When I think about my life, um, I can put myself in check very quickly. And, and if I want to have a spirit of complaint or a, a pity party, I can just remember Sylvia count your blessings and I can I have such an attitude of gratitude and that's one thing we teach the ladies there they we do have outreach we um we encourage our ladies we get them involved in serving the homeless when possible and and going out to different outreach events we want our ladies to learn to be servants you know because that's what Jesus was he was a servant we don't ever ask him to do anything we aren't willing to do ourselves because that a, a, a good leader will do what he asks uh, of others. And uh, just instilling just the, the thought process in these ladies' lives that they do have worth and they do have value and they are loved, that God loves them right where they're at. He loved them where they were. And to see that heart change from it going to their head to their heart is absolutely incredible. Um, is it easy every day? No. Not when you have 13 women living under one roof. And, and, and it just, but you, so you get through those days, though, when, when you put your eyes on Jesus and know I'm doing all of this for you, Lord. And um, the ministry is just incredible. We are a nonprofit, and we refuse to take Jesus out of our mission statement, so we receive no government funding. So we rely strictly on private donations. And one of the ways we do that is visiting churches and and. 
um, uh, in, uh, we sing and give testimonies, and then we um, either get an honorarium of some sort or a love offering. Our ladies fundraise. We go in front. You may have even seen ladies in front of storefronts um, or door-to-door. They actually go door-to-door, and, and God has really met all of our needs here. He provides for everything. But the Walter Hoving Home, there's 145 women currently across the three campuses whose lives are being transformed and are, are being changed by the love of Jesus. And when these ladies really get that, that God loves me, he really loves me, for me, it took me a while to really understand the depth of God's love in my life and um, total surrender of course, like you were saying, we, we don't want to give him all the pieces of our heart because then he's got full control of our lives. But we, he, he wants to bless us in all things. You know, when you, we lean not on, on, our, on our own understanding, but allow the Lord to, to, to rely on him so completely and fully. He will bless. He will honor that. However, our ladies and myself, every once in a while, it's like, no, I've got this part of it. I'll go ahead and do this, God, and you go ahead and take everything else. And, and that will block the blessing. It really, really will, because God wants all of us. He wants all of me. But I have to wake up and pray for that every day. I'm not going to pretend to be something I'm not. It's a daily process, serving the Lord, putting on the armor of God, letting the fruit of the Spirit really, really take over who I am so that I indeed can encourage the ladies and pour into their lives in the same way. Yeah. Thank you so much. So you, so in addition to the books, I know you have some other information on the back. I right? do. Or on the table out front, I do. Um, I actually dropped off a fax at a glance that uh, kind of just gives you an oversight about the ministry and what we do here. I also left uh, just a daily needs. We always have daily needs at the home and things that, that um, we're always looking for donations at the Walter Hoving Home. If any of you would like to get involved uh, in any way, whether it be via a volunteer, maybe getting your women's group together again, we'd love to come back and sing and give testimonies or if you'd like to bring in a meal for the ladies or just come take a tour and meet our ladies, it would be amazing. We, we love getting involved with the body of Christ and, and for all of you to come. And we're actually not that far. No. We're not. It's like 30 minutes. Yeah. Uh, we're right off Tropicana and Spencer. So it's our home has moved over closer to this part of town. So we're happy about that. We also have a big fundraiser coming up October 20th. It's our 10th anniversary gala. Uh, at the JW Marriott in Summerlin, and, and Mr. Wilcox will be attending, and his beautiful girlfriend, Lindsay, we're really excited about that. So we Me would too. encourage you. I left some of those invites at the front table. We would love to have you come. We have a wonderful keynote speaker, and Dave Cravassier of Channel 8 News, the news anchor, will be our master of ceremonies, and we're super excited. We have a new president of the ministry. Mr. Benton has stepped up to President Emeritus this year. So Beth Greco, who is a, a graduate of the home, she's been with the home for 24 years. She actually was looking at a lot of years in prison for armed robbery, but God wow. picked her up, saved her, brought her through the home in New York, and she is the president today of this national organization. It's amazing. Nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible with God. So and I left my business card, some of my business cards up front, so feel free to email me or give me a call. I would just love to get connected and get to know you better. Thanks, Sylvia. You're welcome. All right. Would you thank her one more time?
How are we doing on time, Kev? Yeah. Okay, did you want to come up and say something? Yeah. Yeah, but not really. All right. I want to, I just want to take a second. The way we do things here is we, we honor people. But I, I don't, I don't want it to get lost. What God is doing in you today. What God is doing in you is he's inviting you to go back and take a hard look at the reasons why you are who you are. And sometimes it's really difficult to do. Almost every time it's difficult to do. I can't tell you the, the number of people who've said this week is, is hard for me. But God is inviting you. Just as he invited you and all the other women in the Walter Hoving home, he's inviting you. As Ben said so eloquently, he's inviting you to pick up the broken pieces of your life and let God use them. What does God have for you? I believe with all my heart that the best is yet to come. For you, for me, for you, for my brother Ben, the best is yet to come. Your life is not over. As you breathe breath into your lungs, you have purpose. Absolutely. Will you allow God to define that purpose and then get out of the way and let him do it? Ben, would you pray? Yep. Would you pray for us? And then we're going to take an offering for the Walter Hoving home. I have an open Bible here. And as you feel the Lord leading, give. Just lay your, your offering on this Bible, and 100% of what comes in will go to help these ladies. How many want to help these ladies? Yes. Go ahead, Ben. God, thank you so much for speaking to us today. Through Sylvia, through Kev, through your word, through the songs that we sing to honor you, Lord. God, speak to us, not just today, but every day about what we're supposed to be doing and who we're supposed to be. Please take these gifts that we're about to receive and use them for your good and your glory. We just give you all the credit now. In Jesus' name, amen. As you feel led, come on up. But I'm going to bless you out the door. Put your hands up. You're under Holy Spirit house arrest. Put your hands up. May the Lord bless you and keep you.
May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. If God is for you, who can be against you? If God is on your side, whom shall you fear? May you be like a tree that's planted by rivers of living water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf will not wither. And whatsoever you do, say it if you know it, it shall prosper. God bless you guys. Have the best week ever.